Well, tonight the title is Finding Hope, the Blessings of Godly Wisdom. We're going to be in the book of Proverbs tonight, Proverbs chapter 3. And wisdom is defined as the ability to use your knowledge and experience to make good decisions and judgments. And I think we'd all say, we want wisdom, amen? Does anybody want to be foolish? Any, any hands? No, no hands are raised. No. We want wisdom. We want godly wisdom. And um, Proverbs 3.13 says, Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gets understanding. I like that happy, you know, that, that we find wisdom and we have this understanding. But as much as we aspire to have wisdom, we know that we've blown it from time to time. And maybe you've said something that's kind of rolled out of your mouth and then you wish you could have pulled it back. And it's like, no, I said something in, in haste and now I've got a relationship that needs to be mended. Or maybe it's a major purchase that we just had to have that item, right? We've all been there, and it's like, I, I got to get it, and then we purchase it, maybe a car, and it's like, how am I going to afford that? And I don't even like this car anymore, right? would have picked a different color or whatever, and now we're stuck with it. Or maybe it's something that we've done to our bodies. You know, when I was in high school, I loved loud, loud rock music, and I thought it was pretty wise, because I could feel the, the thump of the drums and the bass beat and everything, and... Now here I am at 60 years old wearing hearing aids. Well, I can look back. I would have told myself, don't do it. <laughs> but it's too late. And you may have your own story. 1 Corinthians 3.19 says, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God. Foolishness. What is worldly wisdom? It is self-centered. It is prideful. It is all the things that God does not stand for. Amen? So the wisest thing that we can do is choose to pursue godly wisdom. And one of the ways that we can do that is to look at the book of Proverbs. Now, the book of Proverbs was mostly written by Solomon. And 1 Kings 4.32 says that Solomon spoke 3,000 Proverbs. Now, that's a lot. I would love to have him at my right side, wouldn't you? Just to say, what do you think about this issue? And he would just come up with something pretty significant, and it's like, wow, I never thought about that. And, and uh, there it is, uh, such wisdom. He was, in fact, known as the wisest men ever to walk the earth outside of Jesus Christ himself. And uh, we also know that Solomon, when he was younger, he wasn't so wise. He lacked wisdom. In fact, 1 Chronicles 29.1 talks about an event where King David is addressing the, the Jewish people, and he has Solomon with them, and he's going to basically turn over the keys to Solomon. And he says this, My son Solomon, who alone God has chosen, sounds pretty good so far, is still young and inexperienced. Now, if you were Solomon sitting, waiting to be announced to God's people, and this is what your dad says, you'd almost want to say, hey, dad, uh, could you have said something a little more significant, something to kind of pump me up a little bit? But David knew 
that Solomon lacked wisdom at that time. In fact, we know from 1 Kings chapter 3, Solomon knew this as well. Verse 7 says, and this is Solomon speaking, he says, Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, yet I am but a little child. That was a meaning physically, but it was small in stature. And he says, I do not know how to go out or to come in. And he asked God for wisdom, right? And God was pleased with what he said. Verse 10 says, and it was pleasing in the sight of the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Can you imagine a politician today saying, hey, folks, I don't have it all figured out, but I'm going to trust in God. I'm going to ask for wisdom, and he's going to direct my path. What do we hear? Well, here's my plan. Here's what's going down. Here, here's my five-step list and, and that kind of a thing. But how refreshing it would be for someone to say, hey, I've got a concept here, but God's going to guide my direction to lead you well. And so God gave wisdom to Solomon. We know that. How are you doing in the wisdom camp? How are you doing making wise decisions? that would honor God, that would be faithful to him, that would be a reflection of his heart and his mind. Well, we're going to take a look at uh, Proverbs chapter 3, starting with verse 1, but let's start by praying. Father, thank you for our time together tonight. Thank you for being in the house here with us, Lord. We want to feel your presence. We want your wisdom. We need it so bad, more than we can ever imagine. And we ask that you would bless this time, give us your wisdom, give us your heart. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, chapter three, verse one. It starts, and there are a few chapters within uh, the Proverbs, at least the first seven chapters, where we have this aspect of a father and a son. So it says, my son, verse one, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. And so the father has a motivation here to want the son to do well, right? He wants the son to be successful. And what does he do? He says, do not forget my teaching. I'm going to tell you some things that will help you. And maybe it's something where, hey, I've had some struggles in the past and I've knocked my head a few times. And I, son, don't want you to go there. I want you to go a different path. I don't want you to repeat the same mistakes that I made. Of course, we know kids say, well, you turned out okay, dad. You know, why can't I do the same thing? You know, so we've got to understand that they need wisdom to listen. And we'll talk about that. But maybe the father says, hey, I've done some things that have been successful, and I want you to follow that path because it's going to help you, son, right? And we can think of our father wants to speak to us through his word. But this whole motivation is out of love. The father wants the son to do well. What a great motivation that is. And you may be a father. This also applies to mothers, grandparents. Uh, maybe there's something that you're mentoring that you've got some nuggets of wisdom and you want that person just to, to glean that and say, okay, I get it, I understand. It's gonna help me. I may not like the answer or, or what you're telling me, but it's good for me. 
But now we've got a son, and, and the father says, don't forget my teaching. So the son can't let what's being taught go in one ear and out the other. Been there before? <laughs> it's like, what, what did he say? I, I don't remember that. Um, he's saying, don't forget my teaching. And, and sometimes we can forget God's teaching by maybe being preoccupied. Hopefully none of you are watching sports game on your on your electronic devices, we're here tonight. Uh, nobody wants to jump up and cheer and then feel embarrassed that they've been watching a sports game, right? But sometimes we can also be reading God's word and maybe we're limited on time and we kind of check the box on our daily Bible reading plan. And then we go, I just don't, rem- I don't understand what, what was there, but I don't have time to really explore it further. And so I'm just going to kind of go on and get to the next day and, and I kind of miss the opportunity there. And what we're, we're looking at here to remember God's teaching, it's almost like going to a restaurant and eating a juicy steak. Now, we never say, hey, can you put that steak in a blender, chef, and bring it here and I'll just drink it down and drink some water and that'll be the end of it. No, we want to savor that steak, Right? It looks appealing, the aroma is just beautiful and in our senses, we cut into that steak, we, we chew it, we just enjoy every morsel of it. And this is what the father wants the son to do, keep my commandments, understand what I am teaching, savor these words, these words of love, amen, that God has given to us because they're gonna be good for us. They're gonna be good for the son and good for you and I to understand that. And he says in the second part of the, but let your heart keep my commandments. Now, why does the dads not say, keep, let your head keep my commandments? Isn't that where our knowledge, where we process what's being heard? But why does he say heart? Well, in in those days, the heart was the center of thought. It was the center of emotion, the center of character, the center of spirituality. You see, we can have an intellect of the Bible. We can understand the historical references. We can know the archaeology, the topography, and, and all those things. We can quote Bible verses and still not have it resonate within our hearts. And so we don't obey the Lord because of what we process. Yes, I am I'm a robot and I'm processing. He says, do this and I do this or don't do that and I don't do that. We, we do it because we love God. We want to please him. First John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. And this is our motivation for for letting our heart keep our commandments because we want to please our Father. And I love the way this is represented in Jeremiah 31, 33. This is what God says. He says, but this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and on their heart I will write it and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Isn't that a beautiful picture of a relationship? I'm going to put this precious 
law within them, embed this within them so that they can understand and they can appreciate why I, I want them to follow me because it's going to help them navigate through life, right? They're going to have hope as they navigate day by day in this world. And I want this relationship. And we know that God never steps away from us, but sometimes we can step away from him. But we want to let our heart keep his commandments. Such a blessing to do that. Such a, a great motivation for us to do it because we want to please our Father. And it's healthy and helpful for us. So the benefit is... Uh, verse 2, for the length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. My pages are, out, are not numbered correctly. Hold on. <laughs> Four, two, seven, eight, nine. There we go. No, that's not it either. Bear with me. Bear with me. Here we go. So length of days, years of life, peace that will add to you. And uh, so we see two things, length of days, years of life, and this aspect of peace. Now, when the father is saying length of days to his son, is he saying that he's going to live a long, long time? Is, is there a promise that we will all live to, let's say, 150 years old? Yeah, I hope not. <laughs> exactly. I just turned 60, and I've got all kinds of bumps and bruises, and I can't imagine another you know, 30 years, let alone living to 150 years. But there's a general principle here. And that is, if we are following God's commandments, if we, out of love, are, are really staying true to what he is telling us, that there is going to be a general principle of longevity. For example, if we are working at, at our job and we are late and we don't have integrity and we're not good to our coworkers, what's going to happen? We're probably not going to have longevity there, Right? But if we have integrity and we treat people well and we work hard, there's going to be a longevity in that. If we talk about our marriages, husbands living a biblical uh, model for marriage and, and wives as well, there should be, should be longevity in our relationship. Amen? And so on and on it goes. So there's this general principle that there will be longevity. And uh, we've seen people that have made some poor decisions and, and they've paid the price and we've kind of shaken our heads. And maybe that was us at one time to say, why did I make that decision? Why did it carry on that way? There's no longevity in what I'm doing here. And so the other aspect is, I think somebody just came and messed everything up on purpose. And so... Anyway, one second. Peace. 
And it's not a peace like peace, man. Hey, peace to you, man. There's this word shalom, and this is, this is what it's referencing. Wholeness, a health, a prosperity that we would have if we lean onto godly wisdom, if we hold it dear to our hearts. And I love what Charles Wesley wrote in the short poem. He says, I rest beneath the almighty shade. My griefs expire, my troubles cease. Thou, Lord, on whom my soul is stayed, will keep me still in perfect peace. Isn't that beautiful? That is so beautiful. Peace. How are you in the peace area tonight? Do you have this peace that truly is from God? There is a worldly peace, which is temporal, but there is a, such a deeper peace that God gives. In fact, John 16, 33, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world it will have trouble. By the way, he doesn't say you may have trouble. He says you will have trouble. <laughs> But take heart, I have overcome the world. And so sometimes we can live a life that's very temporal. And we don't look to the fact that Jesus Christ has overcome the world. It's already done. The story's done. But we can live in this temporal place where we just don't have this peace. But we need to look ahead and say, hey, I know where I'm going as a son or daughter of Jesus Christ. And I'm here to be used by him as his vessel. And until then, I'm going to continue to learn and grow and have this aspect of godly wisdom because I'm going to rejoice with everybody else in heaven, right? And that's going to be a great time together. I'll get these in order like on the last page. Okay, verse three. It says, do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Now, the uh, King James Version says, instead of kindness, says mercy. Right, is that capacity to forgive. But the Father is saying, don't let kindness and truth leave you. In other words, let this be part of your DNA. Let this be lived out in your life, that people would see you, they would see kindness, they would see truth in you. And it's ingrained in who you are, and there's something unmistakable about that. And I love the word pictures, bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. Proverbs 7, 1 through 3 says, My son, keep my words and treasure my commandments within you. Keep my commandments and live. And my teaching is the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers, write them on the tablet of your heart. Something visible that we can see, right? Something that we can look to that can remind us to be living this lifestyle of kindness and truth. And if you look behind me, one of the ways in the, in, uh, uh, by Jewish men, there were these things called phylacteries. And these were little boxes uh, containing slips of portions of the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. And these Jewish men would wear them either on their left arm or on their foreheads. 
Some of us went to Israel a few years ago, and we saw this at the Wailing Wall, men wearing these boxes. And you say, what in the world is going on there? That looks a little bit interesting to walk around that way. But the principle was that they would keep God's word in the forefront, that they would not forget it. It would be a regular thing to where it would begin to sink down into their hearts, and they would understand that. And today, we may not have phylacteries, but we may have other things that would remind us. Uh, Perhaps you have something in your house that's a scripture verse that you hang on your wall, something in your office. Um, Maybe it's it's a refrigerator magnet, whatever it may be, but there's scripture that you would look at on a regular basis and remind yourself and kind of reinforce those principles. Um, Tattoos can be one way as well. I know my son's got uh, Jonah 3.10, Proverbs 28.1, tattooed on his body. I know he's watching. I love you, son. Um, But these are ways. And then he says, write them on the tablets of your heart. And one thing that we can think about is it's one thing to look at them, but it's another thing to begin to walk them out because that reinforces what we're learning, right? Right? I mean, I think about Pastor Shane as he was playing the guitar. I'm sure the first day he picked it up, he wasn't playing like he is now. You know, it's just trying to get your fingers so you get the calluses squared away and just understanding music theory and those kinds of things. But over time, we can resonate the guitar in Pastor Shane as one that would lead us in worship. And amen. Thank you, Pastor Shane, for that. But this is what we do. The more we live this out, the more it becomes part of us. Almost like when we drive a car when we first learn, you know, there's knobs and buttons and those kinds of things. And there's a story of a driving instructor who was teaching a girl on her parents' car which had an automatic transmission. And they were on their first highway drive behind a semi which was going the posted 55 mile an hour speed limit. So she asked if she could pass. He said that would be fine. He then saw her beginning to reach for the gear shift and quickly stopped her. And he said, what are you doing? To which he responded, I was putting the car in P for pass. (laughs) She had some work to be done, right? So the objective here is that we need to get God's word from our head into our heart to appreciate God for who he is and why he has given us his precious words. I mean, we see examples of good things that happen to people who, who walk in righteousness and terrible things that happen to people that were not obedient to the Lord. And this is for us to digest, to understand, commit it to our own hearts. I think of the Shema. This is in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6. Shema meaning hear. And this was a uh, sort of a prayer that was um, said, much like our, our Father who art in heaven. Pastor John spoke about that briefly last Wednesday. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, and this was repeated as part of a daily prayer, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And then I love this. He says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, 
When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Basically, live a lifestyle that includes me in every aspect of your life. Right? We, we tend to compartmentalize God at, at times. And so I'm going to pray in the morning and then head off to work. Or I'm going to read some devotional. And, you know, I don't take God with me necessarily. But this is like every, every opportunity to look at God's beauty, to, to dwell on the Lord. All of these things make them part of who you are, part of your DNA. And so we love God, we love his word because we know they're good for us. It's almost like a relationship. My wife is Claudia, but do I compartmentalize her into my life where I just say good morning to her and we don't talk at all during the day and I just say good night to her, a little peck on the cheek and that's it. No, a, a relationship takes time, right? It takes us reaching to that other person, that person reaching to us as well. And we're, we're talking about this in terms of our lifestyle, how we represent our love for the Lord and, and, and having this as an example that we would make God part of every aspect of our life. Have we ever said, God, I want to protect this piece because this is mine. <laughs> you can have all these other things, but you know, this is kind of my one thing that I want to hold on to. And God says, no, I want it all. I want all of you. I want all of you. So if we do that, verse four says, you will find favor and good repute or a good name in the sight of God and man. So we'll have favor with God. We will please our father. We look at Noah in Genesis 6, 8, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And God used Noah in a mighty way, did he not? And in favor with man, we think of Joseph in the Old Testament, found favor in Pharaoh's sight, and he was given tremendous responsibility over Pharaoh's affairs, and he became a servant. And then we look at the example of Jesus. Luke 2.52 says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And so he is our wonderful example that he grew in favor in both God and man. And Proverbs 22.1 says, A good name is to be more desired than great wealth. Favor is better than silver and gold. And we think about people in this world that have all the riches, all the fame, and many of them are so miserable, are they not? And maybe they would have an abundance of friends because they have all this stuff and riches, and then maybe they lose their money, and all of a sudden the friends go away. And in 22.1 in Proverbs, a good name is more desired and what happens there when it's more desired that we, we don't prioritize all these things that are of the world and it gives us more of an opportunity to share our faith, to witness to people because they say, you're different. Why are you different? And then we have a great story to tell them, amen? And so we want that. And I think of the rich young ruler in Matthew 19. Man, he could not part with his wealth, could he? 
And he was kind of bummed out. He missed the bigger picture there. And he turned to with Jesus Christ in heaven because he had so much wealth, and that was unfortunate. And so good favor, a good name in the sight of God and man, and that's a beautiful thing to have. All right, verse five, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Oh, that sounds so easy, doesn't it? (laughs) Trust in the Lord. But when things get difficult, it is hard to trust in the Lord sometimes. Amen? Amen. And I always get this picture of a kid standing on a chair and the father says, hey, just jump into my arms. And what do kids do? They just jump. They don't care. And have you ever been in a position where somebody said, all right, I'm going to stand behind you, and I just want you to lean back, and I'm going to catch you. (laughs) And uh, that's hard to do. It's very hard to do. You see, obedience requires trust. And that little boy that's caught by his father, he jumps because he trusts his father, right? And those that do not trust God will not walk in obedience to his word because they don't understand. They want everything figured out. And you may ask the question, how can I trust God when these things are not working out in my favor? How can I just give everything to him when things are difficult? I think we've all been there, right? But what happens is God is the God of the possible, right? What is impossible with men is possible with God, Luke 18, 27. And we could say, hey, I don't know what I'm going to have for dinner, and I hope there's food in my cupboard, and I'm going to trust that God's going to provide it. And does God get a lot of glory in the fact that we kind of know where our next meal is coming from? Not really, but if there's something big in our lives, and we, we want to trust him with the big things, that's, he gets even a bigger amount of glory, amen? amen? So we need to think about that. The more impossible the situation, the better it is to trust God's intervention. Faith begins where man's power ends. And so he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, not just a piece of your heart, all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. Ah, oh, but... I want to understand, right? I want to understand how this all fits together. I need answers, Lord. (laughs) Give me answers. I demand an answer. Sometimes we can pound that. Or, you know, I've kind of got it figured out. I'm going to go with with plan A. But in our own strength, you may not know this, but we are weak. We're limited. We're frail. We're finite. We're sinful. Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. And so if we go in thinking we've got it all figured out, that God's just going to give us a stamp of approval, we may be unpleasantly surprised, right? Proverbs 21.2, every man's way is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart's. 
And I'll say again, sometimes we need to understand, we feel like it's all got to make sense to us. And God says, I don't owe you an answer. (laughs) I don't need to show you how all the pieces fit together. Will you just trust me? Will you trust that I've I've got your back? I love you so dearly. But it's hard for us in our humanness. And that's why the father is telling the son, don't lean on your understanding. Don't do that. Don't insist that God put everything together to make sense. Just trust who he is. And the more we know God's word, the more we'll understand his will for us. Amen. All right, verse six, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Again, this is a father really wanting his son to be successful. Our father wanting us to be successful. There's a lot in these eight verses, amen? But it's good stuff. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. And this acknowledge is not the, hey, man, as I'm walking by the street and somebody's coming the other way. There's, There's a weightiness to it. The word, the Hebrew word is yalda, and it means to respect, to understand, to be sure in, to consider, to discover. This is what it says to acknowledge him, just have this aspect of who God is, his vastness, his love, his depth, how much we appreciate who he is as being our God. So it's more than just tipping a hat. In fact, King David says in Psalm 51.3, he says, for I acknowledge, the same word yada, I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. So David had this understanding of the weight of his sin. He wasn't like, hey, sorry I sinned, but he felt it in his heart and he really committed that before the Lord and said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Lord. Something we need to think about, right? Just the weight of our sin and how that affects God. And then he says, he will make your path straight. I love that. Don't you want straight paths? Don't you just want like point A to point B is a straight path? Wouldn't that be easy if life were that simple? I just, I stay within the confines and I'm good. You know, when I go on uh, Google Maps, I put in an address and it gives me like three different options. And one always says, here's the fastest route. And I go, go, I want, <laughs> I want to do that one. You know, I don't say, hey, I want to take all the side streets today. I'm going to hit that, that other one and just get off the freeway. Although sometimes side streets are a little quicker compared to the 91, amen. <laughs> but um, this is something that is is the straight line, if we can just follow God's word, if we can just continue to obey his commandments and follow his teaching and appreciate him, it's almost like here's the boundaries. And I think sometimes we just kind of like to get a little bit close because it seems kind of cool. And uh, the more we read God's word, it's like, okay, get back on track. Okay, let's, let's recalibrate here. How many times do we have to recalibrate in a given week or a given day. But this is why it's important for us to continue to be in God's word because it, it helps 
us go, oh yeah, I was kind of off, off the path there. So I'm getting back and Lord, I'm sorry for how I acted with this particular circumstance, whatever. And here I am again, it's kind of getting us back to where we're on that straight and narrow path. And it's beautiful because God wants us as his sons and daughters to have this aspect of, of uh just the ease of our walk, the beauty of us walking with him as we read previously in scripture. In all our ways acknowledge him, he will keep our paths straight. And then verse seven, do not be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Mm, wise in our own eyes. Sometimes we can think we've got it all figured out, right? <laughs> and sometimes we do have some wisdom, but we cannot forget that all wisdom comes from God. So if somebody says, man, that was a, that was a wise thing for you to, to do this or, or, or um, uh, make this decision, we need to always point up. Say, praise God for that because he's the one that gives us the wisdom and I'll say this, to be wise in our own eyes is really, really bad. If we look at the book of Proverbs 26, 12, because it says it's worse than being a fool, as if we thought being a fool was bad enough. It says, Proverbs 26, 12, do you see a person wise in their own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for them. So we have this, I've got godly wisdom, and then somewhere down on the rung, there's the fool. And then even lower than that is somebody wise in their own eyes. And it's like, don't, don't do this. This is the father talking to the son as God is speaking to us. Don't, don't start puffing yourself up because it's not right. And we know sometimes God disciplines those that he loves. <laughs> yeah. So this is all out of love. But it says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Know that wisdom comes from God. And then fear the Lord and turn away from evil. But this word fear really talks about having a reverence for God, a, a faith in him, a dependence on him. Acknowledge who he is. And being careful not to offend him. He is our father. We, we want to please our heavenly father. Amen? And so have this reverence for God. Do things that would please him. That would please him and make us look upon us well. Job 1.1, one, uh, one, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless, upright, fearing God and turning away from evil. He had it figured out. He feared God and he turned away from evil and God used him in a mighty way, did he not? But he had it, he had it squared away. Fear the Lord, turn away from evil. And then finally, verse eight, as we conclude here, it will be, if we do all these things, keep his commandments, if we don't let kindness and truth leave us, if we trust in the Lord, 
if we're not wise in our own eyes, it will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Don't you like the sound of that? Healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Now, if you have the King James Version, instead of healing to your body, it says, health to thy navel. And I may say, I, I don't get it, but really the reference here was uh, a fetus that everything as it grows is fed, every part of the body, the organs of the body are fed through this umbilical cord, right? So if we're attached to the Lord, so to speak, as we're growing in our, in our appreciation for him, growing in his word, then this is gonna be um, health to thy navel. In other words, it's gonna fuel every part of who we are, our mind, our intellect, our heart, our soul, all these things, healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Oh, we need refreshment, do we not? And everything that goes on in this world. But we also have an understanding of God wants to do to help us through this, to give us hope by internalizing, chewing on this. These are God's love letters. I love you. I'm giving you examples of what to do and what not to do and who I am. And I want you to know me more and more and appreciate me more and more. And let's have this relationship together that's going to give us hope from a day-to-day basis because we are experiencing the blessings of godly wisdom. And so if you are maybe not in the position where you feel like you're in a good place with God or man or, or maybe you feel like you're struggling through these days that you don't feel like the length of days of years of life and peace have your name on it. Or maybe your past you don't feel are straight and you're knocking your head. You're wondering what's going on. May I suggest to you perhaps you need to spend more time with the Lord and his word. Maybe getting a commentary or listening to pastors um, on the radio or whatever it may be, really digesting. Remember I mentioned that juicy steak? Just chewing on God's word and, and spending time with him. And what's gonna happen is over time, you're gonna be more of a reflection of who he is. People are gonna say, you're different, why? Hey, I've got a great answer for you. It's Jesus Christ. And so this is about relationship, these Proverbs. Yes, we can put these in our minds and just quote them back and forth, but it goes beyond that. It goes beyond knowing, but it's internalizing and making it part of who we are. Open the door to every aspect of our lives and say, Lord, would you just have your way in me? I don't fully understand everything that's going on, but I trust you. I'm gonna commit my life to you. And um, it's gonna be a great experience. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for just your heart as our father. You want what's best for us. You love us. You want us to grow in our stature. You want us to grow in our love and appreciation for you. And you have written your words for us to read, to know, to understand because we're your precious children. And if there's anybody here that feels like they've stepped over the line, they're not on a straight path, or 
They've, they've got issues that are causing them not to have peace. Lord, we can hit the reset button each and every day, each and every hour. Lord, you are so patient that you're gonna let us do that and you're there for us as our heavenly father. And Lord, we have different things here, Bible studies and, and small groups and things that help us connect with one another because we're not lone soldiers here, but we're struggling through this together. And so we commit this time to you. And if you need prayer tonight, if you just want to start afresh with your relationship with the Lord, you can do it tonight. You can say, Lord, I, I've blown it. I read these verses and I'm, that doesn't represent who I am, but it can we can snap the line and start afresh each and every day. So Lord, would you impress on our hearts a love for you, a trust in you, the ability to know that you're always gonna be there to catch us if we fall, to be there for us. I ask you would bless this precious group of people. Would you just grow them in, in their walk with you? May you be glorified each and every day. It's in Jesus' name, amen.